come back here, the, the, the overwhelming sense of deja vu. Um, uh, uh, for those that might not be aware, I was um, a member here for about 15 years back in the day. Um, I, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, was an elder for a, a time, um, uh, at a time when I think eldership really just meant an associate pastor that they didn't have to pay. Um, uh, so yeah, um, uh, so today I'm going to um, start with a little bit of a risky thing, right? Yeah, I know, like, yeah. Um, uh, I, I'm going to start with a, um, a meditative exercise for you. So, um, and it's a, a visualising imaginative one, right? And uh, it's, it's not going to be, I need to warn you, not only is that probably already outside of your comfort zone, it's going to start, this is the problem with having a projecting loud voice, like you can't actually tell that the mic's not working. So, um, uh, it's going to start not fun, okay? Like I'm just really selling it for you. It's not going to be nice, but it's going to be worth it in the long run. Okay? Just, just, yeah. So when did you lose your congregation? Well, it's a funny story. Um, so here we go. Just at the start, really. Okay, so close your eyes. Find yourself in a relatively comfortable position in those chairs. Um, and take a few deep breaths. Find yourself sitting, relaxing, sinking into the chair. Now all I want you to do is to just start thinking about the stuff that's going on for you right now. Right? The stuff that you've got to um, uh, be dealing with at the moment. Um, sometimes at church they say, leave all that at the door. No, nah, we're doing the opposite of that. Just sit in that for a little while. Maybe it's stuff from work. Maybe it's from school. It's home. It's your family. It's church stuff. Whatever you're needing to be working on right now. Think of that project you've been needing to finish, those projects you've been needing to finish, and don't try to solve them. Just kind of listen and just sit in them for a little while. Now this should come naturally. Think of how important they are. Think of how hard they are for you to get to each of them because of all the other ones. Just sit in how overwhelming they are. And now we're going to visualise just how overwhelming they are. Imagine you're swimming in them. Imagine you're swimming in them like you're in deep, dark water. Feel them swirling all around you swirling under you, swirling over you. Feel the weight and the power of them. Just sit in that for a moment. 
now feel strong hands grab hold of you and wrench you out of that water. Feel the strength and power of those arms pulling you up, dragging you out of the thick, heavy water into his arms tightly. Feel yourself coughing and spluttering from the water. Feel yourself holding onto his body for dear life. Clinging onto him, take deep breaths. Flop into his arms, trusting that he'll keep holding you because he will. I want you to become aware that you're actually in a storm in the night and there's rain pelting down on you, there's flashes of lightning and there's peals of thunder. But you also feel warm. You feel his warm body holding you close. And it's then that you realize just how cold the water had been and how being in his arms, there's a heat. A heat that makes you feel safe, even comfortable and protected. That you feel impregnable from the rain and the wind and the raging sea underneath your feet. You are safe, you are warm, you are with him. And now you hear him speak. And this is what he says. Okay, now, let's get you back in the boat. I'll walk you through it. Now you realize it's still dark. Your eyes still have all the water in them and you can't see very much. But you can feel. You can feel that he's holding onto you tightly and you can feel yourself leaning in on him. You can feel the squishy steps underneath your feet as you walk on the water as he leads you where you cannot see you start to hear him talking to you and saying things like, okay, just another step. That's it. Yep. Bit by bit, we're going to get there. Mind that wave popping up in front of you. It's a bit of a tripping hazard. Just over you go. Nearly there. Nearly there. One more step. you're back in the boat. Okay, so when you're ready, open your eyes.
<clears throat> I told you it wouldn't get fun for a while, but then it, it picked up, didn't it? Okay. So that little meditative exercise, how'd you find that? Yeah? Okay. That's, of course, based on what passage? Anyone? Peter walking on the water. Um, we find that in Matthew 14, 22 to 23. So let me read that out for you. Okay? Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Now immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You a little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Okay, so now, that text is great, but I don't want you to sit in the text too much. Instead, I'm going to give you this picture. That's a a painting by a Korean artist, Yong Song Kim, and it's called The Hand of God. Um, You can look it up later if you like. You buy the full-size print from the actual artist. It's only $42,000. So, yeah. Or you can just, like, Google it and (laughs) that will do you. Um, uh, This is is the... um, This is the opening screen on my phone. So, like, yeah, when I turn on my phone, like, that's the first thing I get. Which probably tells you about a lot of the stuff that I'm answering on my phone. Some of the time. Um, so, uh, uh, now, coming back to that, that passage, um, the last time I was here, I actually preached a sermon by a guy called John Chrysostom, who was an ancient um, uh, church history figure, a great preacher. His name means, Chrysostom means golden mouth. And um, Chrysostom actually preached on this passage, and he noted um, this very interesting thing. You know, when, when, you, when I asked what passage is this, you said Peter walking on the water. And of course that's true, anything like that. But what's really interesting is that if you, if you look really carefully at the passage, Peter doesn't ask if he can walk on the water. 
right? What he asks is, right, can I come to you, Jesus, on the water? Do you see the difference there? It's not, hey, it'd be really cool if I could try that party trick, which admittedly it really would be. Okay, it's, it's not that. What he asks Jesus' permission to do is to come to him, to come to Jesus. His end goal is not walking on the water. It's getting closer to Jesus. Now, why? Why? That may seem obvious, but why? Because Jesus is awesome. Because he loves Jesus, and he is in awe of who he's starting to realize who, like he's starting to realize who Jesus is. And so, when you start to realize who Jesus is and how amazing he is, you want to get closer to him. Right? More than that, Chrysostom says this. Peter not only believed that Jesus was able himself to walk on the sea, but that Jesus could lead others upon it too. And so, Peter longs to quickly be with him, to be with Jesus. And ultimately, isn't that kind of the whole point? Isn't that the whole goal of the Christian life? The whole goal of the Christian life is to be with Jesus. To be in a deeper, richer, more intimate relationship with Him, with God, the one who loves us infinitely and who can give us eternal life, abundant life. I mean, even if you, you want to go like the classic line of, I, I want to get to heaven when I die, well, who... I mean, who's in heaven, right? What makes heaven such a great spot? It's the who's that there, it, that's there, and, the, and that's Jesus. So, like, like, Jesus is the end goal, right? Another great Christian of history, Ignatius of Loyola, once remarked that Jesus is our end, he said. Jesus is our end. He is our end goal, who we want to end up with. And thus, he said, everything else is a means to that end. Right? Thus, everything we have in our lives, all the relationships that we have, all the things that you've got to do, all of that stuff that you were worrying about then, actually, they are a means to that end. Now, that might not have been the way you felt about them when you went through that. But if you think of it, That's actually true. Same for Peter here. Walking on water is great, but it's not his goal. It's not his end in and of itself. His goal, his end, is getting to Jesus and walking on the water is just the means to that end. Do you see what I mean? So, let's think for a second about all that stuff that you were worrying about um, five minutes ago. Why do you do them? Why do you care so much about them? Other people don't care about those things. They've got their own stuff that they're worrying about, but they don't worry about you. They don't worry about your kids. They don't worry about your grandparents. They don't worry about your friends. They don't care about your job. They've got their own stuff. Why do you care about them so much? 
whatever they are, ultimately, the whole reason that they matter to you is because they give you a chance to draw more deeply into Jesus, to become more like him. Now, you may not have like thought like that for a while, but if you think of it, that's kind of true. You know, I think of my job. Why do I do my job? Partially to help people and, you know, do all the stuff that I do. Partially because it's fun, sometimes. Um, most, of the, most of the time it is. I really like it. But why do I do it? Because every moment of those is a, every moment of the stuff that I do is a moment where I can become more Christ-like, where I can understand Jesus better in the interactions that I have with my students or my friends or whatever, or my family or my kids or whatever it is, it's those moments of coming close, like the opportunities to come closer to him. And notice too, Peter didn't just tell Jesus, hey, I'm hopping out of the boat. Right? He doesn't say, hey, Jesus, I'm coming out to you because I'm so darn keen. He's too smart to, re- like, Peter's not always the smartest tool in the shed, but he is smart enough to realize, just what Chris Ostrom said before, the only way that he's going to be able to walk is if he gets the guy who does the walking to do it for him. Right? So he has to ask. He has to ask Jesus to call him to step out of the boat and come to him. And for us, how did you get all of those things? How did you get all of those things that you were worried about? How did you get your job, your family, your friendships, your whatever? God gave them to you. God called you into them. He called you out of the boat. And why? Why did he do that? Because he wants you to come to him too. He wants you out of the boat. He wants you with him. He wants you to get more deeply into a relationship with him. And he knows that these things can actually help and facilitate you getting there. They help you grow in maturity. They help you grow in reliance on him. That's why he gave you that stuff. Now, you might not have thought of it that way, but it's true. More than that, they are about furthering his kingdom. They are about making this right in the world, making life better for you and for those around you. See, if Jesus is all about making life better for people, including you, but not just you, then when he places on you a heart to make life better for people, that is in fact him drawing you deeper into himself and his heart for those people and his plans for those people. You become more Christ-like in your care for others because he cares for them. So if you're there and you're thinking about your grandkids or you're thinking about those friends or your sister or or your workmates or whatever it is, or your clients or whatever, whatever it is that you're thinking about, why do you care about those? Because Jesus cares about those people. And so when you care for them, that is an opportunity for you to care in a way that Christ cares and to become more like him 
to grow deeper in your relationship and awareness with him. All these things are meant to be what we call a spiritual discipline, an opportunity to become more like Jesus and to become more dependent on him, to draw closer to him. And so, with his call to come to him, we leap out of the boat. Now note that in verse 29, the moment Peter jumps out of the boat, says that he walked on the water and came toward Jesus. See again, that walking on the water is just a mechanism. It's just a tool to get you to Jesus. So we can imagine ourselves as Peter. And at the start, all we're doing is looking where? At Jesus. Because that's where I'm going. Right? We don't even see the lightning. We don't even see the rain. We don't see the wind. All we see is, is Jesus. Hebrews has that great line in chapter 12, let us throw everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Right? Now in Greek, the words for pioneer and perfecter, or in some translations, the author and perfecter of our faith, or that kind of thing, really they're, they're less fancier than that. They're just start and finish. Right? The starter and the finisher, that's it. Right? So he's the one who starts our faith. He's the one that gets us out of the boat. And he's the one that, we're going, that defines finishing. When we're at him, we finished. He's the finish line. Right? But more importantly here, because he's the finish line, he's the one that we're focusing on. We're fixing our eyes on him. But eventually, the thing is, Peter starts to realise something. Holy smokes, I'm walking on water. Whoa! I'm actually walking on water. I am actually walking on water. Wow! That's freaking cool! This is amazing. It's impossible. And that can happen to us a lot. The things that God has given us for the purpose of helping us get to him are cool. They're good. They're exciting. And they matter to us a lot. Okay? You know, we we, we love our families. We get fired up about our ministries. We we get fired up about doing a good job. Think back to the moment when those things started for you. Okay? Think back to when you got the phone call to say you've got that job. Think back to the moment when your kids were born. Think back to the moment when you started that friendship. Think back to the first time you met your spouse. Think back to that moment when you started that ministry. Think back to all of those things and they felt cool. Like they felt really exciting. They were overwhelming. You were, you were so into them, right? Now maybe at that point, what did you do? You thanked God 
you thanked God for giving you those things because deep down you knew that the reason he had given you those things was to serve him, to grow deeper into him. But somewhere along the way, the wind and the rain blew so much into your face. The waves got so close and so big and really destabilizing. Like, think about water, right? And you started to fix your eyes on those things instead. And you forgot where your eyes were, had all, all, already started to be, where they were meant to be. You forgot why you were doing them. And that's when it starts to hit you, just like it did Peter. See, all those things that you've got in your life, they're hard to do, aren't they? If they weren't hard, you wouldn't have been freaking out about them when we did that exercise. <clears throat> Walking on water is impossible. And when we start to take on all of these responsibilities in all of these different facets of our life, we actually start to realise something else. They are impossible. They are really, really hard. They're not just hard, they're, they're flipping impossible. And you know why? Because they're so damn complicated right? They take up much more time than you have in your life. They take more energy than you have left. You are done. You have not got the energy to get them all done. You try. Maybe you you try really hard, but you feel the pull and tug of them around your ankles, pulling us this way and that starting to drag you down now for a while you're going to try to over you're going to self-correct you're going to self-correct you're going to say that's okay just for a bit i can work harder so i get them under control i'm going to get more organized i'm going to chart it out so i can figure out how i can achieve them right but soon all those charts and calendars achieved is showing all the more clearly just how impossible it is to actually achieve them. Because you said, I'll just stay up until two o'clock every night. How hard can it be? Right? You aren't fast enough. You aren't strong enough. And because they've become all we can see, we start to gradually sink into them. Walking on the water becomes walking in the water. Then it becomes paddling. Then it's swimming. And then, at a certain point, they become all too much and they become drowning. We're letting everyone down. I'm letting everyone down. They must be really disappointed in me. They must be frustrated. 
they expect so much of me. We start to feel a guilt and shame because we can't do what needs doing. It's so important and I can't do it. And somewhere, right at that moment, we might start to just get a glimmer of a memory. We remember that somewhere in all of this, at some point, it had all begun with the starter of our faith, with Jesus. He'd been the one who called us out of the boat. He called us out of the boat. He got us to do this stuff so we could come to him. The whole point of all of these things had been to get closer to him, hadn't it? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Well, we had lost sight of that. We had lost sight of fixing our eyes on Jesus. We had lost sight of him. It's not just that we're letting all of those people down, the people that we love and we care about. Not just that. We're letting him down. We have let him down. That's when a new guilt and a new shame comes upon us. We feel the shame of letting him down. He'd given us this job. He'd given us this stuff. And we'd got so caught up on doing these things ourselves in our wonderful egos where we went, don't worry, God, I've got this one covered. And we messed him up. We messed him up royally. We couldn't get it done. We failed. We sucked. Well, this is a fine mess you've got yourself into, isn't it? And now, see, the shame itself actually becomes part of the water. It's not just that the water is all of those obligations. It's the shame and the guilt of not being able to do them. It's the shame and the guilt of how that affects other people. It's the shame and guilt of how that's affecting your relationship with God because you let him down. And you, now what do you do? You're, you try to self-correct. You try to say, no, well, I've got to get out of this. But you know you can't get out of this, which only adds to it, which means you are feeling more and more pulled down by the weight of all of this that you need to fix, but you cannot. Because the shame tells us, why would God help you when you've messed it up this royally? You got yourself into this mess, you can get yourself out of it. But you can't get yourself out of it. You're in too deep. And so, I guess that's it. I guess the only option left is that you will drown. And that's it. precisely when he grabs us, he pulls us, he drags us, he wrenches us out of the water. Right then. You know, that passage in Hebrews said, let us run the race set before us. It's a powerful metaphor, the running of the race. And I don't know about you, but like I, I, 
when I want, when I'm thinking about like getting to Jesus and getting to like glory and everything like that, so much of the story that we want to be our story, so much of the story of our Christian life that we want is us racing to the finish line, racing to Jesus and feeling that, you know, that finish line ribbon just like tick off. I mean, you're a runner, so you get that. Like, you know, like just that, that, that thrill of yes. And what you want is Jesus to be the cheering crowd going, yep, 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 you made it. Yes, you won. You're so awesome. Good on you. Yeah. And high fives all around, right? But that's not actually the story we usually find ourselves in. Instead, ours is the story of getting somewhere near the finish line and then losing our footing, tripping over and finding ourselves face down, stuck in the water. That is actually more our story. And I want you to realise that isn't just your story. It's everyone else's in the room. Right? Just feel the weight of all of your faces stuck in the water. And realise that's everyone at home. And that's everyone everywhere. That's everyone. And the thing to realise is that's when he grabs you. It's not a contingency plan. It's not, uh, well, I expected you to run across the, face, uh, the, the finish line, but, oh, well, I've got to do something about this now. No, he, he pretty much knew this was going to happen. It was always part of the plan. You know how I know it's part of the plan? Because of the cross. He always knew that you were going to trip up and get overwhelmed. He always knew that you would be inadequate. That's why he died for you. He died to solve our sin, to solve our inadequacy, to solve our failure. Now, here's the thing. Him dying for you goes deeper, pardon the pun, um, uh, goes deeper than you might realise. Right? See, the process that Peter goes through, where he goes under the water and everything like that, the process of finding yourself under the water, fully immersed by the water, reminds us of an essential Christian ritual. What Christian ritual involves becoming completely stuck under the water? Baptism. Your church is named after it. You could, you could pretty much say that the whole Baptist denomination, as part of its like advertising, its marketing in its name is, we expect you to be a person who's completely overwhelmed and inadequate. Welcome. We're not expecting you to have all of your life together and racing across the finish line. You know, the, whole, the whole idea of overachievers? No, we're after the underachievers. That's, 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 that's our job. Like, bring, bring in the underachievers. Bring in the disappointments. 
Paul, in Romans 6, describes baptism like this. Don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? When you were under that water, did it feel like death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the water, wrenched up, we too may live a new life. For we have been united with him in a death like his. We will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So do you see how the very process of living a new life, of getting to become united with him, the very process of resurrection only comes by being baptised into his death. The only way that Peter gets to be in Jesus' arms is once he's gone under the water. Now, if you ask Peter, he'd probably give you the same answer that you want to give, which is, but I don't want to go under the water. Well, bad luck. It's part of the deal. Right? And you know why it's part of the deal for you? Because it was part of the deal for Jesus. He was baptised into our death, your death. He was baptised into your sin. He was baptised into your mistakes. He was baptised into your inadequacies, your disappointments, your failures. 2 Corinthians 5 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. And why? So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. We might experience the righteousness of God. We might be united with him. The process of our drowning in all of this stuff is a death moment. Precisely so, we can come to live again with him in intimate union with him. And when you came out of the water, when I did that with you, and you found yourself out of the water, and you felt yourself with him, how desperately were you holding on to him right at that point? How many pretensions of, oh, I've got this one covered, did you have at that point? All of those are gone, aren't they? You've just got to accept, this is the reality, I can't pretend with him anymore. You hang on to him for dear life, am I right? And he wants that too. Your inadequacies and failures don't stop him from wanting that. They are pretty much part of the program he signed up for. He signed up to get you soggy, wet, spluttering, snot coming out of your nose because it's all watery and stuff, you coughing on his nice white shirt, you know, like, he signed up for that. And they end with him and you together. That's where they end up. They end up with you and him together, you dependently holding on to him and him holding you up. Well, I should say that's nearly the end. You've got to get back in the boat. 
So, you've still got some water to walk on. All of that stuff still needs doing. But once we realize our need for Him and latch onto Him for dear life, we are now in a position where you can walk on the water, you can do all that stuff, because you've got Him beside you now. You'll step on that water, but you know that you can only do every single step you take because He can do it. And because He's the one holding you up. And you can do it because He's talking you through it. Every squishy step along the way. And because of that, the things will get done in their time, or at least in his time, until we finally make our way back into the boat and we can fall at his soggy feet, worshipping him forever, saying, you certainly are God's son. Thanks. Thanks.